Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. Let me preach to you the word this morning out of Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5. I want to preach a message about the writing on the wall. The writing on the wall. How many of you ever heard that expression before? She's seen the writing on the wall. He's seen the writing on the wall. So uh, usually that is not in a good context, right? Um, the sentence would be something like this. Like if you're watching the Spelling Bee on ESPN. Anybody watching spell, any Spelling Bee fans out there? So they'll ask for repeat the word and then the definition of the word and then use it in the word and the sen- it's called stalling but they can do whatever they want because I can't spell hardly any of the words that they're spelling but uh, so use the word use the phrase in a, a sentence the CEO should have seen the writing on the wall in other words we can't believe that before the board meeting he didn't know he was going to get fired like that's usually the context but so you, you say, you're going to preach on the writing of the wall, Pastor Doug? That sounds like it's going to be a negative sermon. Well, that depends. It depends on which side of the wall you're on. Because God's always writing on walls, and if you're on the wrong side of the wall, yeah, it's going to be negative in your life. But if you're on the right side of the wall, come on, somebody. If you're on the side of what God is doing, you don't have to worry about what he's writing. And so that's why you live a life of faith, and that's why you live a life of righteousness, and that's why you don't live a two-faced life, and you act one way on Sunday morning and another way in the meeting on work on Monday. You don't ever have to worry. You're on the right side of the wall. Come on, give him praise, because he empowers you to live a bold life where he is and where he's moving. So Daniel chapter 5, beginning of verse 1. Many years later, King Belshazzar gave a great feast. For a thousand of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. And while Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and the silver cups that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines. So they brought these gold cups taken from the temple and the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives, and concubines drank from them. While they drank from them, they praised their idols made of gold and silver and bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, suddenly they saw the fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. And the inner monologue started to go something like, what in the world is in this wine? And the king himself saw the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale with fright, an understandable Scooby-Doo response to the happenings that were going on around him. His knees knocked together in fear and his legs gave way beneath him. And the king shouted for his enchanters and the astrologers and the fortune tellers to be brought in before him. And he said to these, and I'm going to go ahead and put this phrase in quotes, wise men of Babylon. Whoever can read this writing and tell me what it means will be dressed in purple robes of royal honor and will have a gold chain placed around his neck and he will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. But when all the king's wise men had come and none of them could read the writing or tell him what it meant. So the king grew even more alarmed because when you turn to the systems of the world to bring interpretation to current events of what God is doing, guess what it brings? It brings alarm. 
Does that sound like anything going on in the world today? So I don't care if it's Sean or Megan or Anderson or the guys on ESPN or your late night talk show host or your cousin on Facebook. If you are turning to any system of the world to try to bring interpretation to current world events, guess what it's going to lead to? It's going to lead to confusion. It's going to lead to chaos. And it is going to lead to alarm. Do you see, do you see what's happening in our society? When you, go, when you go to the systems of the world to try to bring interpretation of what can only be brought through the Word of God, it's going to get confused. Can I dig on this a little bit more? According to the book of Ecclesiastes, the words of a wise man's mouth are gracious. Here's how you know. If anything that you are listening to on your way to work on AM Talk Radio is from God, if there is grace... Boy, that just took out a whole lot of wisdom, right? When was the last time? And you say, Pastor Doug, you're being, you're being harsh on our media. No, the Bible's being a little bit harsh on the media. The Bible is just saying if the interpretation of world events is not filled with grace, it's not wise. And then it says this, but the lips of a fool swallow him up. The words of his mouth begin with foolishness and the end of his talk is raving madness. I'm just, re I'm just reading the word. That's all I'm doing. God's just calling this out, raving madness. A fool also multiplies words. Have you ever heard them talking about the same thing 45 minutes later that they were talking about 45 and they haven't said anything? They're just multi multiplying words, just multiplying words. And then listen to the result. No man or no woman knows what is to be. And is that not the state, generally speaking, of the media in our country? Raving about things and the result is that no man knows what to be. So the situation, granted, the situation was a little disturbing. But if you take a situation that in and of itself, a hand appearing, it doesn't even say like likeness or, or like that this was a vision or a daydream or anything like that. Because Daniel is filled with all kind of apocalyptic, uh, apocalyptic symbolism, things that point to the end times, things that point to eternity. All of this can be very confusing. But this, this now it might have been a vision, but it also seems like a literal human hand may have showed up in the room. So that in and of itself is a situation like, man, I'm not quite sure how to read this. Like, you know, like, like just things going on, this Russia situation, North Korea and the racial tension in our world and things going on with the school system and teacher pay. I'm not so sure how to read this. But when the king turns to the Babylonian advisors to give interpretation to it, it goes from, watch this, it goes from discomfort to alarm, to alarm. And so in this culture where we walk around and people are fearful and people, the, the circumstances seem to be chaotic and circumstances seem to be confusing and where there is panic and where there is fear, we need for the people of God to walk in a Daniel anointing because again, Daniel is able to step into this situation and bring a word from God. So let's talk about this this morning. Let me give you six things from the word. When you live or work, 
work or minister or go to school or survive in Babylon. Babylon is a non-God-honoring culture, number one. The problems of the world are the opportunity of the people of God. So verse 10 says, when the queen mother heard what was happening, she hurried to the banquet hall and she said to Belshazzar, long live the king, don't be so pale and frightened. There is a man in the kingdom who has within him the spirit of the holy gods. Can I tell you, I don't care how confusing your situation is. I don't care how much panic is going on in your office. If you walk into that situation filled with the spirit of God, you can bring the answer. You can bring the solution to the problem. I don't care how much the last fiscal quarter was draining the company. If God gives you the answer to the problem, to the situation, see, you know what God's people are? God's people are problem solvers. God's people are problem solvers. The world, the world is filled with problem pointer outers. I, I feel like, I feel like the, the Babylonians, they would have just talked about the, the hand. Hey, did you see that hand? It was a large hand. Did you see what they were writing? Did you notice the rings on the fingers of the hand? And they want, you know, everybody wants to analyze the problem. Let's, let's analyze the hand. Was it, which finger was it? Was it the pointer finger? Was it the pinky finger? And, and, and do you think it was a man's hand or a woman's hand? And, and what color was the skin? And all of these different things. And, and it doesn't, that just seems to be like the society. Like we just want to analyze the problem and analyze the problem. Let's look at the fingers this way and let's look at what it's writing this way. And, and here's what the Bible, here's what the Bible says about Daniel in verse 12. At the end of verse 12, the queen mother says he can interpret. We don't need somebody to describe the problem any longer. We need somebody to step into the situation with an interpretation. Why not the answer to school system problems come out of the house of God and why not CFA? Why not the answer to racial reconciliation come out of this house right now? Why not the answer to different situations in our community? Why not come from the house of God. This is what happened in the book of Daniel. Guess what? Same God 6,000 years later. And if God showed up through a spirit-filled man in Babylon, he can show up through a spirit-filled teacher in Concord. He can show up through a spirit-filled police officer in Kannapolis. Come on. It says he can interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. I believe one of the anointings that God wants to release in this service here this morning is a problem solving anointing, not just for like big countywide, citywide, uh, statewide, nationwide problems, but he wants to anoint you to solve the problem in your local context. God can still speak through the people of God by the spirit of God to bring answers. Number two, when you live, work, minister in Babylon, people need a word even when it seems like they don't need a word. Do you know when Belshazzar seemed like he didn't need a word? See, there were two times in Belshazzar's life, back to back, they happened back to back, party time and crisis time. And when he was in party time, he didn't want the word from God. Because do you have people, do you see this around you? Do you have people in your life that when they're in party mode, they don't want, they don't want your advice, mama. Everything, everything's going fine in party mode. They got their friends around them. The money's rolling in. Dad, when, when he got the promotion, when the son just got the promotion, he didn't, need, he didn't need your advice then. And so when it's party time, when everything's going good, they didn't need a word, or at least they thought they didn't need a word. They really needed a word, but they weren't open to receiving the word when it was party time. But it, when, when it was crisis time, 
when, the, when they get the doctor's report, when they get laid off, when the, the teenager goes through a stage of rebellion, when the, the stock market crashes, when people go from party time to crisis time. See, they need a word during both seasons in their life, but now they're open to the word in crisis time. Belshazzar was like, I'm just going to drink the wine. I'm going to bring in the goblets. I'm good. We're having a good time. Oh, there's a big old hand writing some stuff. Uh, I need a word from God. And here's what we have to do as the people of God. We've got to refrain from giving the word during party time sometimes, and that's hard. It's not, hear me, it's not that the word isn't from God. It's that the person won't be ready to receive it. And so what you have to do during party time is that guess what, it is, guess what time it is for you? During party time, it's prayer time. And you pray. And you say, God, you're not praying for a crisis. We don't believe that crises are brought on by God. They're brought on by the enemy, but God can use a crisis. How many of you, God used a crisis in your life to wake you up, to bring, bring you around, and God can, God can use a crisis. So when it's party time, it's prayer time. And then when it's crisis time, it's word time. There you are. You step in, and guess what the word doesn't sound like? The word doesn't sound like I told you so. The word sounds like, come to church with me. Come get some grace. Come get some love. Come get a word. Come get a second chance. And so as the people of God, we're ready to respond when crisis hits. You're looking around at school. Who's in crisis? Who's sitting alone? Who's, who's, who's smiling on the outside, but who's hurting on the inside? This summer at work, you're looking for somebody that's going through the tough marital situation. You're looking around for somebody that got the demotion. You're looking around because that's your opportunity. That's your opportunity as the people of God to come in with a word and bring them to a church that's going to give them a word. Number three, when you live, work, minister, in Babylon, your favor transcends your fame. Your favor transcends your fame. So in verse 13, it says, So Daniel was brought in before the king, and the king asked him, Are you Daniel? You say, what's the big deal, Pastor Doug? He was brought in, and the king asked him his name. Well, no, 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 think about this. Because previously, if you read this scripture and having forgotten how, how high Daniel was promoted before. So let's go back now. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 2, verse 48. It says, Nebuchadnezzar at that time, then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. And he made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon, as well as the chief over all the wise men. Tell me, how did Belshazzar not know who Daniel was? He didn't even know who he was. Are you, are you Daniel? He called in his wise men before he called in the person who Nebuchadnezzar had put over the wise men. Now watch this. Here's what you've got to know is that Daniel's favor transcended his fame. And so in your life, whether people know you or not... The Spirit of God is, at wor is working within you. Let me explain it like this. So when you were 18, um, let me say this and explain it. A lot of times in our lives, it's harder to accept a season of obscurity and anonymity after we've been promoted than before. So, so watch this. When you were 18 years old and uh, all you were saying was something like this. Um, when I get a shot at getting into the boardroom or when I get a shot at stepping into the classroom, 
right? You weren't, you weren't famous because you just didn't have your time yet. You, did, you didn't step out on the court yet. Uh, uh, Dwayne and Katie and Camden and I were at a, a ministry um, event and uh, Coach Joe Gibbs was, was hosting it and Lou Holtz, who's one of the greatest, regardless of your feelings about Notre Dame, Lou Holtz is one of the greatest motivational speakers I've ever heard. He said, he said there were some guys on my team that if they were in the game, I, guarantee, I would guarantee we were going to win by 30 because if they were in the game, we were going to be up by 30. I, I said, that sounds like my middle school basketball career. It's like I wasn't seeing f floor time unless we were up by 30. And then finally I got into the game. But like when you're, when you're young, it's always just this, uh, give me a shot. Coach, give me a shot. Put me in the game. And that's why I'm not famous is because I haven't had my opportunity yet. But when you're 48 and you've already been second in command in the company and you get laid off, how many of you know the inner monologue changes? And the inner monologue starts sounding like, do I have it anymore? The inner monologue starts sounding like, is God done with me? Do I have faith? Is there sin in my life? What's going on? What's wrong? Are you with me? If anybody has ever gone through this cycle in your life, you can identify Daniel. Daniel went through this cycle. Daniel was promoted to, I think, like the second highest in all of the kingdom. He was over all the wise men. He was over the province of Babylon. And then this king doesn't even know who he is. Daniel got laid off. Daniel was without a job. Even when the economy, listen, this, was, this wasn't an economy problem. Babylon was the wealthiest, richest nation in the world. If he was living in Jerusalem, it might have been an economy problem. But when you're living in Babylon and you're laid off, how many of you know you start self-doubt? Self what's, what's wrong with me? Everything's thriving and I don't even have a job. I was at this level and I don't have this anymore. But here's what you've got to know is that even during a season of obscurity later on in life, God has not forgotten about you. God is not done with you. God has not turned his back on you. If God used Daniel a second time, he'll use you whether you're 48, 58, or 78. Age doesn't matter in the kingdom of God. God, number four, number four, understand that your reward is from a higher source. Your reward is from a higher source. So uh, Daniel gives the interpretation, which we'll read in just a moment. And the king says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all of these things around you. You're going to be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. In verse 17, Daniel answers the king. He says this. He says, this is crazy. He says, keep your gifts or give them to someone else. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you what the writing means. In other words, Daniel wasn't working for the reward of man. Think of how freeing that is in your life. That you're going to work from God for God regardless of whether you get the raise or not. You are going to practice at two-a-days on your uh, summer football high school team this summer. You're going to give it your all whether you're the starting defensive back or not. When you go into college, you're going to study like you're at the top of the class when you're in the middle. See, Daniel said, I'm not working for teacher. I'm going to honor you, but I'm not working for you. Boss, I'm going to honor for you, honor you, but I'm not working for you. And it changes, it will change your attitude towards life when you say, God's got my reward. God, like, I'm good either way. I'm good either way. If you promote, King, if you promote me, I'm good. But if you don't, I'm good too. Number, number five is this, to bring the truth in love. Bring the truth in love. 
So Daniel says this now. He says, you are his successor, O Belshazzar, and you knew this, and yet you've not humbled yourself. So what's new all this? Well, it's what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. Remember last week, Nebuchadnezzar walks out, looks out over the city, looks out over everything that God, that, that God had done, and he said, I did this. I did all of this. And so he starts taking the glory for himself. He starts taking the honor for himself. God said, uh, I'm done with that. I can't work with that. He goes into the field for seven years, lives like a, a wild animal, and then he says, finally gives glory to God and God restores him. And now Daniel say, and Belshazzar, you saw, like you saw all of this with your own eyes and you have not humbled yourself. For you've proudly defied the Lord of heaven and have these cups from the temple brought in. You're drinking, you're partying, you're carrying on. And then in verse 24, it says, so God has sent his hand to write this message. He says, this is the message that was written, many, many, tekel, parson. And this is what these words mean. Many means numbered. Numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. By the way, the attack of the enemy against your life is numbered as well. It's not going to go on forever. There is God is speaking a word. It's numbered. You see, if you're on the right side of the wall, if you're on the wrong side of this wall, this is a bad word. If you're on the right side of the wall, it's a good word. The second word was tekel. Tekel means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and have not measured up. God, keep, God keeps good measures and God keeps good weights. And that goes both ways. The person that is coming against you, the situation that is coming against you, that is evil, that is lying, that is not of God, that is being used of the enemy. I'm not saying the person is from the enemy, but the enemy is using that person in your life. God's keeping weight of that, and he's measuring that, and he's also measuring your response. So guess what? You keep loving, you keep forgiving, you keep blessing, and watch how God keeps good weights and he keeps good measures. Verse 28, parson means divided. Divided, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And so there is in the kingdom of God, there is an anointing of multiplication where God says, I want to bless this and multiply it. And God says, I don't want, I don't like what I see there. And there is also an anointing of division. You don't want the anointing of division where God starts to divide and take away power. And you can pray these things over the opposition that's coming against you. You can say, God, number it. Put it to an end. God, weigh it, and you take care of the person that's coming against me so I don't have to. And also, God, God, divide it. God, divide it. Let it get weaker and weaker and weaker. Here's the thing about division. See, God can stop the attack uh, uh, against you, and it can be over tomorrow. Sometimes God does that, but sometimes he divides it. And it'll just get a little bit weaker. And you can walk a little bit stronger. And then next week it gets a little bit weaker. So you just start dividing. Just start dividing. Just walking. You're multiplying. But the situation against you is dividing. And so Daniel brought this word. This was, this was not an easy word to give, right? Like think of, the, think of the boldness and think of the courage that it took to step into the royal chamber and give this word. I'm sure Daniel wanted to say, uh, King, you're going to get promoted. God's really, man, look at that. King, the finger's pointing up. That's the way you're headed, King. Right up the ladder. You got another king. No, this was a hard word to give. But Daniel was such a man of faith that he knew that he had to speak the truth in love regardless. Now, a lot of times we hear this preached more on the side of uh, 
people that are giving truth, but they're not giving truth in love. And that is, so, that is so true and so important. But where my heart is a little bit this morning is there's somebody here this morning that you think that you're being loving by not telling the truth. And that's actually called a refraining of telling the truth in that relationship is actually called lying. And what if you are keeping the other person from getting better in their life? Now, here's what I would encourage you to do. Like, pray like crazy before you have that coffee. <laughs> you just start pleading the blood of Jesus. You pray for them. You bless them. You honor them. You love them. But then you say, we got to have a conversation. I got to tell you, I got to tell you the truth. And then here's the final thing. When you live and work and minister in Babylon, understand that the panic of the world can lead to the promotion of the people of God. Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.